ultimately the whole story of faith comes down to um, the, the story of the Bible. So we're looking at the main elements, the main chapters of the Bible, and kind of taking a deep look at what God really wanted for us to have, how we responded to that, what God does to help us uh, find Him in the existence that we have, and what life in Him can look like. And so last week, we spent some time talking about God's design. And we remember that God designed the world for all humanity to personally know Him and to live in harmony with God, themselves, others, and creation. So if you can imagine a place where man naturally connected with God with no same guilt or disconnect, no doubt or fear as it comes to God, no distortions, he was out harmony with himself, right? So humanity was able to, to be totally secure, you know, didn't have an area of validation, they felt safe, you know, a life without certain security is incredible, an incredible thought. They were at peace with others, a world with no conflict or disconnect. That's incredible to think about. And then with creation as a whole, right? as they wrestled with existence, they knew that they had a clear purpose in meaning and life. And so this was God's design. But we all know that that's not how life is. It is not in harmony with God, with themselves, with others, or creation. And so that's because we have fallen. The Bible says that we've fallen. And that means that humanity has rebelled against God, rejected His design, and selfishly filled the world of brokenness. Now, I know that's a really heavy thing to say, it's a pretty dark, but that's the reality of what's going on. No matter where we are in the world, no matter what glimpses of good that we see, the truth is there's all kinds of struggle and difficulty and, and inequality in our world that comes down to the fact that man does not want God's design. We're not naturally drawn to it. We rebel against his, his wisdom. We reject his ideas, and we we act selfishly. And when we do, we contribute to the brokenness of the world. We see this in Genesis chapter two, verse nine. And it says, "And out of the ground, the Lord God made the spring of every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. That this tree was the tree that gave us eternal life. When God created humanity, there was no death, no sickness." involved in it at all. And the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And so there are these two trees that symbolize two of different times. One is to live eternally in the life that God has given us. The life of harmony with Him, with ourselves, with others, and in the world around us. And then there's this other one, which is the tree of knowledge and good and evil. This was a tree that helps define what is good and what is evil. Right? And so, this is where God begins to say, so, listen, I set up the standard of good and evil. I'm holding that knowledge. I want you to take from the tree of life and live within the system that I've created in perfect harmony. But the minute that you reject me and you walk away from that, and you want to control your own version of knowledge of good evil, and you want to sit in my chair, and you want to create the world in your own image and in your own eyes, then we're going to have problems. And he goes on and says, The Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of God, and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You experience an incredible life. And so you have this tree of knowledge of good and evil that defines what's right and what's wrong. God is currently holding this as the original creation. But we all know that man took that tree and decided for themselves that they wanted their own version of right and wrong. But here's what I want you to understand here. The word that we overlook so easily is knowledge. 
that we can look at knowledge and say we have something in our head, we know about something, and then there's the kind of knowledge where we know in our head and by experience. In the Hebrew language, it contains both of those ideas as for knowledge. So that means that when God created humanity, they weren't just to know about God in their head, to know about worth in their themselves. They were to experience these things firsthand in a relationship with God. And he says, the minute that you step outside of that, you will not just know good and evil in your own life, you will experience full-on the consequences of your decision. You will know what it's like to step outside of my created world and my image into the world that you created in your own image. The man did this in both of their eyes were open. So male and female were coming against God, just from the fruit of the tree, and it says that their eyes were open. That we live in a culture that says we need to have an open mind, we need to take in everything, we need to experience everything. This is the message of everything in our media and culture. Don't waste your life. Don't deny yourself anything. Immerse yourself and push back against these traditional norms that set these ridiculous restrictions on you. Experience life. Let your eyes be open. Consist and free. This is a message about culture. My question is, what are my eyes really open to? You step away from the media. You step away from the philosophies and the ideals. What have you ever seen in the short amount of time that you've been in there? We can find all kinds of incredible things that we've seen. But there's not a person in this room that has not seen incredible pain and wisdom. See, what our eyes are open to is it really greater than what God intended for humanity? Or is it worse? That's the question I want us to think about in the back of our minds. What your eyes are open to, let's start with the first thing. The story of you with God. Instead of being deeply connected to God, being in front of God, they were very disconnected from God. So the common perceptions of God, or even believers, is that God is harsh and condemning. You ever met somebody who looks at God as just being this overbearing, controlling, harsh God that just trying to trust people and stifle their expression? Or you step out of line, he is right there to rip the rug out from under you and to jump in your face and just condemn you? Some of us have that view of God. Some of us know people that have that view of God. That's a distorted view of God. That's not God at all. He's all-knowing and all-powerful. Yes, he's huge. And yes, he does have expectations of holiness, but he's not a partial condemning God. You know, another is that God is aloof or apathetic. He looks at the pain and suffering in the world, and, and he just doesn't care. So we allow things like terrorism to happen and starvation and all this pain and suffering. You know, the failure of every practical or functional atheist is this. If there was a loving God, why is there all this evil and suffering in the world? So if he does exist, he's looking down and he's aloof. He can care less about what's happening. That's a public view of God. Another view of God is that God is so loving and so kind and so great that he's absolutely pleased about any aspect of sin or work. We go about, we'll live our life, and we'll do what we'll do, and we're like, you know, man, I, I, I did this, and I failed, and I hurt another person, but that's the love we forget you. And we have no, you know, we have no sense of disconnect from it. It's like God has to take every aspect 
aspect of our sin and rebellion, and he's supposed to let us inspire ourselves. As if it had no effect on him or the other people around him. That's the distorted view of God. The very longest idea is God loving? Yes, he loves you, but he also loves the person that's been hurt in your life. God is also a just God. He desires for right and for good to exist. And so then we have to be responsible, not just um, for, for ourselves, but we have to be responsible for the impact on him and people around us. And then for others, he's the one that we blame for everything. So this is where we move beyond the big issues of the world that really ever affect us to the things that happen in our lives and say, God, you should fix that. Now, I know that I'm um, here in the room this size, that I am, the things I'm saying are really hard for people who have experienced deep pain, who have been victimized. And, and I want you to hear me say today that your pain is not trivial. For those of us that have been victimized, your pain is not trivial. Your frustration that there was no one there to help or stop, that God did not hear your prayer for it to end, and that I'm not trying to take one day. It's a very real pain. But what I am saying is that in the bigger context of the world, how much responsibility does God take? I think we all want a world where there is never anything ugly that happens. And that very desire is God's desire. That's the world He created. And instead of all the things that we wish God would have done, Thank you. 
Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. It's the man who started off with his perfect view of God, this incredible relationship with God, no distinction, no separation, no barriers at all, exchanged God's definition of himself for our own definition of God, and we struggle and we wrestle and we consume and we live and we act accordingly, and it creates these ripples of pain and hardship in the world around us. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this, that your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The, the rebellion and the distortion just separates us so much, and it's a dangerous separation because when it said that we, we our eyes were open, we died. Spiritually, death entered into creation. It's us. All of these um, physiological consequences came because man has rejected. Why? Because God is harsh? No. God does not want us to live eternally separated from Him. And so He put an end to each and every one of our lives. And in that time between when we exist and when we die, God has offered us grace to be redeemed. Isn't about punishment. It's about mercy. And that's what God wants to offer us. In word, because of our version of right and wrong and our, our walking away from God's definition, we are separated, hopelessly separated. We are the ones that offended God. God has done nothing to reject us. We have done anything to reject Him, which leads us in a very dangerous place. It leads us at the mercy of God Himself. The next thing that our eyes are open to is selfishness. We are driven by self. What we want is self identification, self affirmation. Everything is about feeding ourselves. It's wired into every aspect of our culture. Instead of having this deep sense of safety and security, we are so driven by ourselves, and the more we press into ourselves, the more insecure we feel. We all feel insecurity. We all know it's like to not measure up. We all know it's like to have this disconnect internally, to be filled with fear or anxiety or self-doubt or self-loathing. Arrogance is another disconnect. Pride, shame, guilt. The list of insecurity goes on and on and on, and it fills our daily existence. And we spend millions of dollars, and we have industry to help ourselves feel better. And we find all kinds of ways to cope with these internal disconnects. We can go everything from revenge to substance abuse to try to to solve what's going on internally, and it drives us to make some really crazy, crazy choices. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 18. They are darkened in their understanding, right? They have a lesser understanding of themselves, not a greater understanding of themselves. They have a lesser understanding, and they're alienated from the life of God, what God intended for humanity and for us to be a perfect reflection of God, to be at peace with Him and with ourselves. We're alienated from that. 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. It's, it's an intentional ignorance. We don't turn to God. We reject Him because of that. We're disconnected and we don't even realize what we've lost. And they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, needing to practice every kind of impurity. We see also in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, that we, as a result, we feel better from that darkness that we sense. We create all kinds of philosophies and views to, to try to cope. And it says in Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and make you defeat according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So we will create all kinds of views to just try to find peace within ourselves. Essentially, we're living with a distorted identity. You will never find a healthy identity if it's based in you performing or achieving some state of identity. Men is consumed with reflecting their own image. Everything is about validate me, like me, love me, worship me, value me. No matter what it is, I get to choose who I am, and the rest of the world has to bow down and validate that. And the minute that our world bumps up against another world, it doesn't matter what their value is, what they identify with, we just push away from each other, and we vilify one another in order to seek validation. We belittle someone else to make ourselves feel better. And this is why we can't have a conversation or the idea of actually being able to love another human being is vastly different than what's on the planet. This is why that's never a reality. It's always an unattainable idea. Incredible fault. Because our security was meant to be defined by God's image in us by what we do. And because we look to other people to validate our identity, we create all kinds of broken relationships. Right? Instead of finding a sense of belonging, we end up in manipulative relationships. We end up in disconnect and loneliness. We feel like we have to project to be somebody that we think the other person wants. We wrestle with this and it creates all kinds of broken relationships. And in the world, we are surrounded by conflict. About every breath we breathe has some suspicion that we might not be like for another human being. And God never intended for that disconnect to exist within humanity. We know that, that we can hurt and be hurt and yes, social media, I mean all of the science and information that's there is that the more we read and the more we spend time on that, the more disconnected we feel. The very tool that we were hoping would bring the world together, bring this sense of understanding and, and allow people to be better connected all over the world has created more disconnect and division and angst in, inside the human heart than anything. It's because we don't know how to value those relationships because we are the same. See, James chapter 4, verse 1 says this, What causes world and causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? 
Could it be that the very fact that we don't get along with another human being is because we are not settled within ourselves, and we are asking for that person to settle the own rage that's in our own hearts? Those of us that are married understand this really well. If you are expecting your spouse to make you whole and happy, you are asking them to be the impossible. And you will When you take responsibility for yourself, you realize that God is the one that has to settle the rage within you. Then you're able to sit across the table from your spouse and completely disagree and be true empathy. And realize that they're coming from a different place than you are. And it doesn't matter that they come from the same place. The solution becomes. What's best for us in our family? And I, I'm telling you, this is a lesson that Andrew and I are continuing to learn. The days that I expect her to make me whole are the days that I elevate her for her family. But the minute I let God be God in my life, and I accept that I'm a broken individual in need of God's desperation, and then I can listen to her and not be threatened by where she is. And she can listen to me and not be threatened by where I am. And once we get our emotions out on the table, we look at each other and say, What do we want to do? And then we come together and we talk about things. When you do that, who in the world defines that? Who settles that war with innocence? So you see, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, just to extend this, not just in a personal focus, but collectively, as it is written, there are righteous, right? There's no one that reflects God's character. Christian or not, they won't come to faith. Jesus is the only one that's ever reflected God's character accurately. <laughs> and he was God in the flesh. All of us are unrighteous and false. So, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks to lie. All of turn aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Good in God's definition, by the way. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of acts is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery in the way of peace that is not known. Does that not describe our culture? When we take the mask off and we look at the bigger picture, yes, we can see moments of happiness and hope and peace and love, glimpses of God's good. But this is the story that all of us live. A longing for peace and love and not connecting the dots and finding it. We have fallen so far that we have lessened the expectations of the relationship around us. The, the disconnect is deep. And that's where we live. Instead of sensing belonging with humanity, we're immediately disconnected, suspicious of people who look different than us. Our eyes will also open to sorrow, pain, and meaninglessness. 
instead of peace, meaning and significance, that's the world we live in. God intended for us to be full of significance and meaning and peace. Ecclesiastes 2, 23 through 23 says this, What have a man from all the toil and striving of heart, with which he toils beneath the sun? And how much of our life is faith and effort? What are we really achieving? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the moment, his heart does not rest. It's also a vanity. No matter what we put our hands to, no matter how low the cause or how worthy it is, it's always broken, isn't it? There's always something to fix. There's always a trouble that comes up. And it's overwhelming. Man's knowledge is find your worth in something that you do. God's knowledge, your worth is found in the fact that you're a perfect reflection of my character. God intended for us to be at rest with Him and to have dominion over creation and not be overwhelmed by it. But with far less responsibility, we struggle. There's a huge distance. Isaiah chapter 24, verses 5 and 6 says this The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants. For they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant, therefore accursed the devour of the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. Listen, if I know I'm being heavy, and I know that we live in a world where we're trying to think positive things and what is true and noble and good, and I know that that's something that God encourages us to do and be thankful and grateful because the truth is we live in a dark, dark place. It doesn't take more than 30 minutes on the internet to be completely crushed in your soul looking at the brokenness that is around us. There are Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children that starve to death every day needlessly because of corruption. There are governments gassing and nuking people within their own countries simply because of disagreement on religion or ethnicity. There's hate and violence and prejudice and bigotry that exist all over the planet. No matter how beautiful this incredible creation is, you will find pockets of people in darkness. It is bringing this to our attention to, to realize how far we are falling. The world is empty. Even when we succeed and we get to the top, it doesn't take long for us to ask what's next. Because in our way of doing things, in many ways, fill the void that only God can fill. And it leaves most of us as a question one. You know what's beautiful about the question one? It's not just that we are looking for an answer, but the very reason that we ask, you know, God, why is there death? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? The very reason that we ask that question proves that the question that we feel in one of our hearts, it was never supposed to be this way. Think about that for a second. 
you are hardwired to not want death to be part of the equation, to not want pain to be a part of your life, to not let suffering be something that fills the earth. What is that? Is it just selfish comfort? Or is it the image of God in the original creation that he, that he made for us to live in the earth? So this question, why, can lead us to look at our own version of knowledge and removal and questions our own philosophies and fixing and coping mechanisms, or it can be a window to look and say, what is God's version of being? What if my eyes were reopened to his heart, to his heart? What would I say? Holy is God, yourself, others, and the world around you. And we have voices of that for Christianity that perfection in this life. Why? Because all of us wrestle choosing to elevate our own knowledge of the evil of the past. And the experience will always be For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But fall short means to reject, to reject. When you rebel against the glory of God, what is the glory of God? The goodness of God, the reflection of God, the character of God that is seen in creation. That's why we here. We all fall short of what God intended for us to be. We don't reflect His character. We don't know Him clearly. We don't interact with others well. And we certainly don't always do good in the world around us. Why? Because we have all sinned. And that's the word that none of us don't need. How many times in our culture, even among fallen pastors, do you hear the phrase, I made a mistake? It was a mistake. It wasn't the best choice. I've heard a lot of people, and it's kind of really sincere and apologetic. There's no system preservation. Mistakes mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea what I was doing. I was going along, I made this choice, and I had no idea that it was going to, you know, to rip apart family or cause us to be suffering as an excuse. When we say mistake, we mean, I thought I would be able to get away with it. The truth is, we know what we're doing. In the information age, we know what we're doing, we know the consequences, and we are so full of this world. Because we think we have a God who condemns sin. Or, we are really living in a world where we're trying to project our own good image. To be a person that really understands that God loves them and that they're created in His image and what God intended for them really has no trouble embracing this world. Because they don't see themselves is the enemy and they realize that sin is the enemy of their life. It destroys everything about them that's good. 
the most freeing thing that you and I can do is to confess it's real life that God wants to do something about it. If we can't start there, then we're trying to fit God into all of those in the black and white, good and evil, for the mystery of history, and we always come to church. And we continue to get a whole new surrender, and we're not going to be done. Which one will we do? Which one will we choose? Dominant, experience of the world, or our own? 